0: Our live stream is getting going, so whoever is on Facebook below, uh, again, hopefully next week we'll have things up more normal, and uh, we won't do it off of my phone, but it is what it is. So uh, we come in and continue into Mark. We're in chapter 12 this morning, and in Mark chapter 12, again, we see uh, Jesus coming, and Jesus is being attacked yet again. Uh, I I just can't help but think about uh, the last few days. Again, we have been going into this for now, we're looking at weeks. Uh, We've been in chapter 12 uh, for a couple weeks, and before that in chapter 11, and then keep going back as we had Jesus has come into Jerusalem. Uh, We are in the final week of Jesus' life. Now we're in the final just couple days of Jesus' life, and uh, so we come, and what a crazy uh, few days, what a crazy time that it's been for Jesus um, as he's come back to Jerusalem, we have seen him be attacked and questioned on his authority. In the last chapter, we have seen even last week he was challenged as his uh, where he stood upon the where, with the government and and does he stand with Rome or does he stand with the children of Israel and the taxing and all of those things. And as we looked at last week, two groups of groups of people who did not like each other, if you remember, coming together to attack. Jesus, because again, I reminded, and I said this last week, I will say it again this week as we get into this passage of scripture, some of the very similar, very similar things happening again. People that don't like Jesus attacking Jesus, and they come together even though they don't like each other, because the ultimate goal is him. So if you and I, we might not like each other, but we don't like him more than we don't like each other, we will gather together to fight him. I reminded you the same thing. Listen, people aren't against you. They're against the one that you serve. So they don't hate you, though you might be the object of that. They hate God. And so the things that we are experiencing, the things that we see on a daily basis in our nation, in our land, whether it's America, in the world, around the world, it's not because they don't like you. It's because they don't like him at the end of the day, I would say this. Many of them don't even know that they're a part of the war that they're a part of. They don't know why they don't like you and your morals and what you stand for. They just don't like you. But it's ultimately because of what you stand for in Him. So we saw that last week. We'll see that again this week as a new group of people come to fight, this time looking at the resurrection, looking at the afterlife, if you will, at eternity in and more specific as it pertains to marriage. Are we married in heaven and in eternity? Yet again, the consistent theme stays the same. People attacking and challenging him, but yet they themselves don't even fully believe Or know what they're actually fighting over. We will see today a group of people fighting about and questioning Jesus on the resurrection. But they themselves don't even believe in the resurrection. Isn't that awesome? Last week, some of the same exact things. But as we look at this, this morning, we still have some of these same exact arguments today. As I was studying this week, one of the, uh, I'm not always one that uses a lot of percentages and statistics, but over 80% of people that live believe in some form of afterlife, some form of eternal life after today. From the one statistic that I looked at, over 80% believe in something after today. The thought of something after this life is on the mind of people. I have spoken far too many funeral or memorial service type of things. And I can promise you this. In those moments, you have a completely different frame of mind than any other time in our lives. Because it has hit us right in the face, right where we are in that moment. We are there because somebody has passed. Well, what happens to them? The questions are there. Can I tell you that it's always been? If you go back thousands of years, and you go to, uh, if I'm not a great historian. I'm not. I wish I could stand here and just rattle off dates and all of the things of history and all of that. I'm not that bright, okay? Here's the reality. I had a horrible history teacher And therefore, I just didn't care about history until I got older, and then I was like, "Oh, this is really cool stuff." Anybody else feel like that? I kind of feel the same with science. Had bad science teacher. We have a tornado warning going on. but I was the same with science. Why am I saying this? I don't know. I really don't know a ton about history, but one of the things that uh, several years back, I had the opportunity to go to Egypt. And I was in Egypt, and while I was in Egypt, we got to go into the, the tombs and into to some of the pyramids and all of those things you get to experience. And it's nothing like going to that part of the world, because the history is so deep, it's right in front of you. Those things are still there. The the, the fragments and the the different artifacts are right in front of you. You can they don't let you touch them, but you can touch them. They're right there. And you know the things that they would bury the kings and the the pharaohs and all of them. They buried them with stuff. Do you know why they buried them with stuff? Because that was going to be the thing that when they died they would get to. One of them was a boat. They got put in there was a boat that died. Bury me with my boat. It's one thing to say I love boating and I love the water. Mike, it's great. You love the water. You love the boat. I want my boat. Actually, just put me in the boat and we'll just go underground. I don't know. But they did it because the boat was going to carry them to the next through the heavens. They buried themselves with their treasures. Why? Because that was what was going to be next. They would bury themselves with weaponry so that they could fight. They were always thinking, why? Because in us, God created you and he created me with eternity in mind, regardless of what you believe of eternity. That is buried buried in us. That is deep inside of us. I say it all the time. We were created to worship God. Now, we worship in all kinds of different ways, but God created you and he created me with the intent purpose to worship him. You go to the far deepest jungles, and what are they doing? They are worshiping something that they have created as a God. It could be the sun, it could be the moon, it could be the tree, it could be the waters, it could be something that they are worshiping. Why God created us that way? The same thing with eternity. And so the questions begin to come to Jesus. They begin to talk to him about all of those things. As we look at this this morning, Though all of this is not inside of this particular passage of Scripture, if you will, Jesus doesn't respond to the resurrection in the manner of uh, just just straight to salvation. But you know, this morning, you can't not talk about the resurrection and not talk about you and I's eternity at hand. Because the reality is this. Each person in this room, each person that has ever lived and all that will ever live behind, the, behind us, has a question to answer, and that is, what happens to you after this life? Who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. That statement, that question, and our response to that speaks to our eternal life after today. And so these people are asking him, they are being absurd in their questioning, but they are ultimately coming to him to ask him some of these questions about the resurrection And I have this one simple statement. I'll ask her this question. Are you mistaken or do you serve the God of the living? Are you mistaken or do you serve the God of the living? Jesus, inside of his rebuttal or his response back to them, basically says this. You are mistaken. You are in error. And he says, I am the God of the living, not the God of the dead. We have a question before us this morning. Is the God that you serve the God of the living? Because I believe that I'm serving the God of the living. I worship an almighty God. Who is alive and well today. You know, there's a lot of people that are mistaken. And they don't serve an almighty living God. They serve all kinds of different things, and they believe that they can do certain things that will get them to heaven. Can I just tell you, there's nothing that you can do that you can earn heaven, that you can earn eternal life with him, except for surrendering everything to him as God. Yes, I have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, and in that I recognize it, and I say, God, forgive me, I'm going to surrender this back to you, take all of it. This morning we come to that question of, are you mistaken or do you serve the God of the living? We're going to be in Mark chapter 18 and verse number, or Mark chapter 12, verses 18 to 27. You can try to find Mark 18. uh, Tell me how that goes for you. Um, But we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 18 through 27 this morning. And then I've got a few simple points to go with it. Verse 18, Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die, and leave his wife behind him, and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and dying left no seed, and the second took her, and died, neither left he any seed, and the third likewise. And the seven had her, and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody that wants to argue about the most absurd? Like, you're like, that will never happen. This is what we read. <laughs> in the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to life. Verse 24, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err, because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead, neither or they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. And as touching the dead, that they rise, have ye not read in the book of Moses, how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham. And the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I pray in these next few minutes that you would use your word to speak into our hearts. God, maybe there is somebody this morning that has put their faith and trust in something outside of you. And God, would you bring them to a place this morning? Would you draw them to yourself to see? that you love them, that you gave your son for them, that they might know you and have everlasting life. Father, for those that may believe, Lord, this morning, would you, maybe it's seeing things in this world a little bit different. Maybe it's even realizing that the way that they're living is not based upon the God of the living. God, I don't know exactly what is needed for each individual but you do and so lord i pray that you would speak to us today through your word it's in jesus name that i pray amen, amen. Are you mistaken or do you serve the God of the living? The first simple thought is this, the antagonist. There's four points this morning. One is the antagonist. Then we're going to look at the challenge that they have. Then we're going to look at the response and then the promise as kind of the conclusion this morning. And so the antagonist is this. If you look at this passage, then come unto him the Sadducees. The Sadducees are the antagonists. The Sadducees are the people that are now coming to Jesus to fight Jesus over something, yes, that they don't even believe in. I just, I am a smart aleck enough, maybe I'm a jerk enough, I don't know, but I am that guy that would have, why did Jesus even entertain this? Jesus should have looked at them, in my opinion, and said, listen guys, shut your mouth, you don't even believe in this, so why are you asking? Have you ever been there? That's me. (laughs) He's done it. But it's just one of those things. These antagonists. So when we come into this. We're looking at the Sadducees. Who are the Sadducees? Who are these people that are questioning Christ on the resurrection? First of all, we look at this. They are another one of the main three to four groups of people, sects of believers inside, or not believers, but inside of the Judaism that, that come to Jesus. We've looked at several of these already. They're a sect of a priestly family. They are typically wealthy typically wealthy aristocrats who had a significant political and temple influence, who had great authority inside of the Sanhedrin. They were, like last week we looked at, again, the Herodians were sympathetic to Rome, the Sadducees were sympathetic to Rome. Therefore, the church folks, the Pharisees, definitely didn't like them because they were sympathetic to Rome, who the Pharisees were against. But you see this, they were sympathetic to Rome. They were liberal in their theology. Again, the opposite of the Pharisee. Yet the Pharisees believed in Scripture, while the Sadducees only believed in the first five books of Moses. Again, why does Jesus take them right back to the books of Moses and tell them in here, and we'll look at this in just a few moments, you don't even believe Scripture. Do you remember Moses. Then you obviously don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of what Jesus comes to them. Why? Because these are the people that were the geniuses of those five books of the Bible. They knew it It was memorized. This is what they focused on. This was everything. Believing no no true, they believed that no true doctrine could be based on prophets or other writers of the Old Testament. They held to a human free will. They believed in the existence of God, but they rejected everything else that was of a supernatural nature. Think about that. They believed in God's existence but rejected rejected everything that was of a supernatural nature. Well, if you take away all of that, there's a lot that you completely eliminate In this time of Jesus living, especially, but even going before that. They did not believe in demons, angels, or the devil. They did not believe in miracles. They did not believe in heaven or hell. They did not believe in a future judgment. They did not believe in life after death, nor did they believe in the resurrection of the dead. This is the group of people that were coming to track Jesus with the question about the resurrection. We see yet again another group of people that were really with the others because their intention was what? They just have to get Jesus so that we can get rid of Jesus. And We look at all of these things and we'll, we'll kind of begin to put all of this together as we keep going through the different points this morning. But I say all of that and I come to you before we get into the next point as a reminder again we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. They were then. We are today. Up until the point that Jesus comes back and God, we steal everything and it's all Satan is put away. We're in the midst of that. But we have to be aware of it. I said it last week. If you watch the news and it drives you crazy to the point that you are going batty, you have forgotten who is in charge in the war that we are in. We are not in a war with China. We're not in a war with Russia. We're not in a war within any of these people. We are in a spiritual battle and they are all pawns that are playing in the midst of the game. And that sounds whatever, but that's really what's happening. And they all hate God and God, and they, the desire is to eliminate them. Not you. Don't forget that. Because otherwise, you go nuts and I go nuts. But when I step back and I realize, oh, this is happening. It's supposed to happen. God is a sovereign God allowing it to happen. And I can laugh at it, and I can, I'm the guy, I will make fun of it, I did some of that last week, I'm not gonna do that again. Actually though, if you think about this, it was a week and a half ago, the executive order was made, weather was changing, and it did change. So, something is working, something is working. Global warming is coming to an end, the executive order is working. But anyway, I should do Again, I laugh. Maybe I'm wrong. But. So anyway, so we come to this. <laughs> These are the people that are attacking and planning to continue to attack Jesus until he is put upon the cross. And really, again, reminder of why that is. And so you and I, as we look at them, they were in the scriptures, they believed a portion of it, but they had so much air. And I just say, be cautious you listen to, be cautious, but stay in God's Word. All of God's Word. You can't take this section of God's Word and this section of God's Word and say, well, they just don't match, so therefore I'm gonna believe this. No, God's Word from beginning to end is perfect. It does not contradict itself. It is perfect all the way through. If you say this piece contradicts this piece, Dive back in, because it doesn't. Listen to somebody else, because they're lying. We have to know all of these things. Let's keep going. The second piece is this, the challenge. What are they coming at Jesus with? So the first, we get to understand who these people are, the Sadducees, a little bit of what they believe. Obviously, we can keep going on about some of those things, but we look at this as the attack, or the, the, the antagonist, those that are that are coming at Jesus. The second point, what are they coming at him with? We look at this piece in verses 19 uh, down to about 23. Then come unto him again the Sadducees, um, and they say that there is no resurrection. And they ask him this, Master, which again, what did we look at last week? They came to Jesus, and they buttered him up. They flattered him. They told him that he was true. They told him that he taught truth. They told him all of these things. They called him teacher, which was a uh, such a, a high thing to call somebody, an honorable thing. So again, we see these people, now again, master, teacher. Moses wrote unto us in verse 19, If a man's brother died, leave his wife behind, and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. And it continues to go on. So they kind of butter him up a little bit, but then they look at Jesus and they say, Hey, Jesus, do you remember Moses? Do you remember the teachings of Moses? Do you remember that if if uh, if, if, if a lady marries the brother and the, the brother passes and there's been no children, that the other brother would come in and step in and take care of the, of, of the, the, the sister, the, what is it? Sister-in-law, the widow. And then they would marry and then they would have children? Do you remember this? That's what they're asking Jesus. If Jesus was like me, and I'm thankful that he's not, he probably would have just reached out and smacked him on the face and said, can you please stop? You're ridiculous. But they asked him, hey, do you know this? Do you remember this? What if this happens seven days Time's over, Jesus. What if this widow has gone through the entire family? All of the brothers have now passed. What happens now, Jesus? Gotcha! What are you going to say to us? You have no answer. This is the ridiculousness of people. But that's what they came in Jesus' with. That's what they came in Jesus' with. They asked, who is the spouse in the resurrection? And I think of this. So the group of people who do not believe in the resurrection are attempting to challenge Jesus on the resurrection. I'm going to get you, Jesus, into this corner, and I'm going I'm to belittle you, and I'm going to berate you, and I'm going to ask you questions about the resurrection. No, I really don't even believe it. There's one thing that drives me nuts. is people that want to come at me or you as a believer, somebody who believes and stands on the word of God, and they're going to tell you that your little fairy tale book is worthless, but then they're going to use this fairy tale book that they don't believe in to come and attack you. Anybody else just go... Wait, so you're trying to argue with me because I'm wrong, because my Bible is wrong, but yet you don't believe in what you're... Like, what are you arguing, sir? You don't believe in this. Jesus, who is going to be the spouse in heaven? Though I don't believe in heaven, I don't believe in hell, I don't believe any of us will be there, but I'm going to... Respond to me. I go back to the statements at the beginning. These people didn't care. They just wanted to eliminate him. The same people that you are arguing with at times don't care. They want to try to discredit him. Because in their mind, if they can discredit him, then they can do whatever that they want, and there is nobody that can hold them accountable. Why are they attacking truth? Because truth has, like, absolute truth comes from somewhere, which gives us a creator, which then gives us a law that we must either abide by or we fail. Guess what? People don't like that. Do you know I don't like that either? You don't like it. We don't. It's our nature. But this is the groups of people. These are the people that are attacking. The challenge, again, is in the resurrection, and I probably go too far within that, but I just get so irritated at people that want to fight about something that they themselves don't believe in this is what we live in. This is what we live in. And it clearly was something that was being lived in them. Those who are attempting to fuss and fight do so in the absurd. One that I was listening to and, and looking at it as I was studying calls it the extreme margins. They like to argue in an absurd manner and in the extreme margins. This here, what we're looking at, is an absurd argument. They don't ask specifically about the resurrection. They don't ask specifically about eternal things. They don't ask specifically about the things that, that ultimately matter, if you will. We go into the extremes on all ends. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody? And they won't get to the specific but they try to make hypotheticals about all of, well what is this well if god was then what about all of this and you're like what even is all of that you just made no sense that's not even something that would ever happen that's not real that's not reality you and i as a believer One, I go back to what I stated at the end of that first point. We must stick into God's Word. We must stay to God's Word. But we also must not get into the arguments of these extreme marginal areas. Let me challenge and encourage you. Not to argue in the hypothetical or absurd. Let's stick to the big picture, to the main thing. That is this, the holiness of God. The purpose of His creation. The sin of man. The miracle of Jesus. The fact of the resurrection. The purpose of His death. And the eternal destiny that we all have to come to an answer to. Those are the things that you and I must argue, or not argue, but stick to those truths because in that they now have to answer something and so do you and I. Those are true things. See, when somebody wants to argue and you go back to them with the holiness of God, you go back to sin, you go back to God as God, God as creator, God as all of these things, the purpose of Jesus coming, the purpose, the miracle of Jesus and his Uh, virgin birth, and the death and the resurrection. We look at those things. Those are real things we need to do our best to keep the main things the main things. Don't win an argument and lose an opportunity. Sometimes we need to remove ourselves from the situation. This would be one of those. Listen, I'm not arguing. That's absurd. If you want to talk about the resurrection, then let's get into the resurrection. We can talk about what God has placed. We can talk about this. We can talk about this. We're not talking about this crazy, extreme hypothetical that you are now coming after. And Jesus addresses it in the next point here. His response. Let us get if you will, to the heart of the matter. Jesus' response, the Sadducees challenge him on marriage and the afterlife. He then comes right at them, and he says what? Do you not therefore err, because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. He looks right at him and basically says, you are mistaken. You have erred. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop You don't have authority to speak the way that you're speaking. You have lost your mind. In essence, that's what Jesus does. Now, some of that, I don't know that I am not Jesus. I know that I'm not Jesus. So, how we respond to somebody coming to us, it might not be the greatest thing to be like listen, you're an idiot, you are wrong. But we still need to address the truth of what we're talking about, not the crazy hypothetical. Jesus comes right at it. And he's coming at people who are supposedly teachers of the Word. These are theological people, these aren't just random nobodies. These are people that say that they know the Word, they would speak on behalf of the others. Jesus looks at them and he says, You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. You who are theologians do not even know my word. You're wrong. You've gone off course. You have gone astray. You claim to be this, but you are not. You are erring in this. You claim to know the Torah or the Pentateuch, those first five books, but you don't know, you, you know none of it. You've misunderstood God altogether. If you don't adhere to the teaching of God, you certainly can't ascribe to the power of God. And I just tell you this morning, it's so easy to wander from Scripture. More today than probably ever in history, I listen to people come to me and talk about the person that they were listening to talking. They were preachers on YouTube. and I just share with you, everybody on YouTube that is opening God's word is probably not wise for you to listen to. Just to throw that out. There's a lot of people that are going to say things that are going to sound similar to what you would hear on a Sunday morning, but are in complete and 100% air. We have to be guarded. We have to be guarded in so many things. This morning as we look at this, I I go back and I, I reiterate all of the same things. We must stay in Scripture. We must study Scripture. We must find ourselves under good and godly teaching. And I'm clearly not the best teacher in the world. I'm not the greatest theologian. I'm not any of those things. I don't proclaim to be those things. But we must must find people that are going to lead us correctly, theologically, doctrinally sound to love Christ more. We have to be cautious of so many things. But as it pertains to here, these guys are arguing that there is no resurrection. And then they're doing so Out of this idea of this marriage, this idea of marriage. And Jesus says what in this? He says, for when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Now, Jesus is not saying that we are going to be angels. We can get into some of those things at another time. But we're not. We're not going to be angels. But we will be like an angel in the sense that the angels are not having children. They are not procreating. The angels are not married. The angels are not those things. We, when we get to heaven, are going to be like that. So he says there's not marriage in heaven. Mindy and I will not be married in heaven, though she would be lucky to have me for all of eternity. (laughs) But the reality is we will not be married like we're married in heaven. God has created marriage, God put us together, but think about this, God gave the wife to be the completer, we are completing each other, Mindy completes me far more than I complete her, I promise you that, but we are put together, God designed that marriage, and he designed us to be providers and protectors, and and we're doing all of those things here, as we get to heaven, we're, we're in a perfect place. I don't need Mindy, or Mindy doesn't need me, rather, to be my protector. As a man, I, I am part of mine as a protector of our family, a protector of our home. That's spiritually speaking, that's physically to the best of my abilities, all of those things. I don't need, she doesn't need me to do that in heaven. She's kind with God. She will be complete and perfect in that. I will be complete and perfect in my new. I believe we'll know each other. But we won't need the physical touch for satisfaction the way that God has designed us. The joy that we'll have in heaven will far exceed anything we can think here. And so he looks at them and he gives that. But then he comes back and, and as we look at this, and as I would say this, as we look these folks, they believed in the five books of Moses and they believed in nothing else. You know in the Old Testament it is very clear in the Old Testament that Life was eternal then too. Though the New Testament hadn't been written, all of those things were not there. Job in chapter 19 says this, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin warms, destroy this body, yet in my flesh, what does it say? I, or shall I see God? Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job said and spoke of eternal life. Isaiah twenty-six nineteen. Thy, thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise, awake, and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For thy dew is all, or is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Again, that eternal speaking there, or eternal life. Daniel 12, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. The Old Testament spoke of eternal life. They failed to adhere to God's word. We must be diligent in God's word. 2 Timothy says this, and something that many of us in this room can probably quote with me study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. We must study. 1 Peter 3 says that but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and are we guarded because we're studying the word of God? Or are we ignorant of God's word? We live in the most scripturally impoverished time in all of history. More people know nothing of scripture. Probably today than ever. More people in the church Know less of Scripture than probably ever before. And I just say we must dive into God's word. We must know God's word. We must study God's word. We go on and he says that they were ignorant of God's power. So Jesus, his response was this: that they didn't know Scripture, and that they they didn't know his power. They were ignorant of his power. They were witnessing his power, but didn't believe in it. They'd rather argue the crazy thing than believe in the things that Jesus would doing. They were living. They were seeing Jesus heal. They were seeing Jesus calm the storm. They were seeing Jesus raised from the dead. They were watching it with their eyes. They were witnessing the power of God right before them. But yet they chose to say none of that was real. They would rather argue in the extreme. They would rather argue in that. These people, let's think about this. These people believe God created the universe out of nothing. They believe God formed Adam from the dust and breathed life into him. They believe God could do that, but they did not believe that he could raise people from the dead. And I just say to you today, God is an all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God. Job says, I know that God can do everything. Genesis 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Ephesians 3 and 20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God is all-powerful, can do all things. He looks at them and he says, you there. And lastly this morning, as we close out, is the promise the promise that he gives. I go back to that question. Are you mistaken or do you serve the God of the living? Jesus comes to this place. and He's kind of challenged him on all of these things in 26. And as touching the dead that they rise, he looks at them. Have you not read the book of Moses? How in the bush of God spake unto him, saying, what does he say here? You have a copy of your word. it's up on the screen, I know it's there but I am what does it say? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob were Abraham, Isaac and Jacob alive when he said that? no does he speak it as it's today? yes he looks at them and he says have you, erred? have you not read this? Do you not understand when I said this in the book, in the, Mo- the books of Moses that you believe, you missed it. He said, I am the God of. He didn't say, I was when they were living. He said, today, right now, in this moment, I am the God of. Because as we read, as we keep going on, what does he say? Because I am not, he is not the God of what? The dead. But the God of the living. Can I just tell you today? I serve a God that is not the God of the dead, but is to serve a God who is alive, but is also the God of the living. Man, we have something to praise Him about. We have something to shout about. The songs that we sung, we can shout and proclaim the truth that the God that we serve is not dead, but is alive. And the god that we serve is the god of the living that means one day when i have passed from this life i will be alive and well far better than i've ever been for all of eternity at the feet of my son. man that's that's good stuff yeah. <laughs> I don't have to worry about the garbage that's taking place today because I can look forward and I can say, God, I know you have tomorrow in your hands, and I'm okay. We look at we look at so much in scripture. We look at prophecy, we look at all of these things, and some people are, you, you've got room after room, and garages full of all of the Toilet paper and all the stuff that you need when everything's going to go bad. Listen, can I just tell you, I'm not going to be here when all that happens. I'm not. I'll be gone. I believe God is coming to take me home before all of that mess happens of that in scripture is not to scare you but to point us to the place to say hey are you ready and am I speaking of it it's not to draw us to a place of fear to live in our no that's not what it's about it's to say are you ready and do you tell people about it listen the resurrection is real heaven is real but so is hell that's not to scare us that's to say, am I prepared? And am I preparing others to the best of my ability? Hey, this morning, Jesus looked at them and he said, have you not read? Do you not know? You don't understand. I am the God of For he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly better. Can I just say, as I close out this morning, God I serve is alive. Jesus is the promise that was given. 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own or Christ the first fruits afterward. They that are Christ's at his time. Do you have your faith in him this morning? Do you have your faith? Is, is Jesus your savior? You recognized you were in the middle of the ocean and you were drowning and you needed saving and you cried out, God, help me. He said, here I know. You were in the midst of your sin. You cried out, oh God, I recognize that sin and I need saving. This morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? This morning, do you serve a risen Savior? Do you serve the only living God who is also the God of the living? Do you know Christ? know christ this morning there's so much that we looked at and there's so much more i could go into depths and all of these things just like we could every single day i look forward to being in my glorified body one day i look forward to no longer having pain I look forward to those tears being wiped away. I look forward to no longer having death. I look forward to no longer hungering and no longer thirsting. I look forward to there being no sin. I look forward to perfect, pure relationship. I long for that. Day. and I believe, I've said this before, the older that I get, the more that I look forward to being with my Savior. today, do you know him? Do you know Christ as your Savior? This morning, are you uh, are you sick of everything that you see and you're allowing it, I said this last week, you're allowing it to discourage you, you're allowing that attack of the news and the attack of this the attack of that to weigh on you. Can I just remind you, they're not after you. They're after the one that you serve. Give it to them. Give it to them. We don't need to struggle with all that. I don't need to struggle with what I see in the news about China doing this and Russia doing that. You know what? I want to have an idea of what's going on. But I can't on that. That's all a part of the spiritual warfare that we are in the midst of. Give it to him. I'll promise you this. You'll sleep better. And the smile on your face is a whole lot better. I'm going to every head now and react to